0: This morning we're going to read from chapter 21 of John's account of the life of Jesus. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples, and two other disciples were going together. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Adam. If I haven't met you, and it's uh, great to be together and to open up the Bible today and this wonderful little story. Now, I want to begin by asking you a question that I, I think I already know the answer to. Have you ever let someone down? Have you ever failed someone? Maybe it was a spouse or a friend, maybe it was a boss or a teammate. I know that I have, I know that I've disappointed people close to me, I know that I've let down those that I love, and it's happened probably more often than I'd like to admit, and it's not a nice feeling, especially when you've made promises and commitments, especially when you've told this person that you can be trusted, that you wouldn't let them down, and then you did. What about in your relationship with God? Have you ever made promises and commitments to God and then failed to keep them? Again, I know that I have, and I suspect that you have as well. And this is why the story that we're looking at this morning is so, so important. Because it shows us how Jesus responds to a friend who has failed him to a friend who has abandoned him in his time of need. We come to the end of the sermon series that we've been in for a little while now called Meeting Jesus. We've been looking at Jesus' conversations and interactions with all different kinds of people in the Gospel of John. So far, we've looked at Jesus' interaction with a confused minister, a social outcast a condemned woman, a devoted follower, an anxious politician, a doubtful disciple. And today, we look at Jesus' interaction with a failed friend. Now, this interaction takes place in chapter 21 of John's Gospel, the the final chapter. Now, when you read through John's Gospel, you get to the end of chapter 20, and it feels like it's the end of the book. Jesus has risen from the dead, He's appeared to his disciples and they all believe in him, including Thomas, the doubtful disciple who we looked at last week. And then John concludes chapter 20 with this kind of grand concluding statement. This is what he says He says, These things are written, all that is written in the gospel. So you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, at those words, we might expect the music to start playing, the credits to start rolling, and the book to come to an end. But it doesn't. It keeps on going. And it doesn't tell us about Jesus' return to heaven, which we might expect. It tells us about Jesus' conversation with his disciples over breakfast which we don't expect. And so why is John ending his gospel in this way? When he had such a perfect ending at the end of chapter 20, why does he add this story on at the end? The answer is that there has been someone missing, someone incredibly important has been absent from these resurrection narratives. Peter. Peter. Now, Peter, of course, was one of Jesus' most devoted disciples and loyal friends. But the last time we heard from Peter, it was not his finest moment. In fact, it might have been one of the worst moments of his life. Jesus had just told the disciples that they were going to abandon him. Deny him in his time of need. And Peter, never short on self-confidence, declared, even if everybody else does, even if everybody runs away from you, Jesus, I never will. I'll never leave you. And Jesus says to Peter, well, Peter, actually, you're going to be the worst of the lot. You are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Peter says, not going to happen, Jesus. I will die with you before I deny you. But then the next morning, after Jesus has been arrested and dragged before the authorities, Peter is standing around a fire. And a teenage girl, a servant girl, asks him, Hey, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And Peter says, What? Who? Never heard of him. Don't know what you're talking about. And this happens three times. And the third time, as that third and final denial is coming out of his mouth, a rooster crows in the distance. And Peter remembers what Jesus has said, and he breaks down. The Bible says he weeps bitterly. He's broken his promise. He's failed his friend and his Lord in just about the worst possible way. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that this story that we're looking at this morning is in the Bible. Because which of us hasn't been there? The story of Peter is our story. We are all failed friends. We have all failed Jesus. We've made promises to God God, I'll never do that. I won't go there. I'll never do that again. But we did. We caved, we we gave in. Life was hard, temptation was strong, and we were weak. And we broke the promise, we broke the, the commitment that we made. And we thought to ourselves, I've gone too far this time, I've done this once too many times. God surely wants nothing more to do with me. If you've ever felt that way, if you're feeling that way today, then the story of Peter is for you. And it's definitely for me. Or maybe you're not a Christian and you think that God responds harshly to failure. That He's just waiting for you to slip up so He can jump on you and reject you. And the story of Peter is for you as well. In fact, listen to what one pastor writes about this story. I just love this. He says, This passage is perfect. For all of us who are shocked at the betrayals we are capable of. All of us who aren't so sure anymore of what our faith is really worth. All of us who wonder, do I even mean this? And the message here is wonderful. Jesus knows. He knows how unsteady we can be. Yes, your love for him is weak, so is mine. But weak love is still love. And Jesus can do a lot with a little This is the gift he wants to give you today. Listen to this. That you would stop fearing he expects you to be super Christian. That you would quit feeling sorry for yourself and quit obsessing about yourself and just believe that he forgives you and cherishes you because he does. Then you can get up and go care for others in their weakness and their need. Are you weak? Of course you are. So am I. And in this passage, Jesus is taking away from you every reason why you should keep on wallowing in yourself. He is taking away from you your final and best excuse for putting him off, the fact that you have betrayed him and you will betray him. He is calling you today to stop that foolishness and look to him who knows everything about you and get up and start worrying about others for a change and go give yourself away to them for his sake well, all right then. (laughs) So let's look at this wonderful story and let's look at it under two simple headings. Number one, Jesus' invitation to Peter and to us. And number two, Jesus' question and command for Peter and for us. Firstly, Jesus' invitation to Peter and to us. Now, verses one to three of this story, we see that Peter and some of the other disciples are back in their hometown by the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has resurrected and appeared to them, but they've gone back to their hometown and they decide to go fishing. Now, before he left to follow Jesus, Peter had been a professional fisherman. But now, perhaps he's discouraged by his failure, he is returning to his pre-Jesus life. Now, have you ever done that? Have you ever allowed your failure to drive you back to your life before Jesus? It seems to be what is happening for Peter, but it doesn't go very well for him. Verse 3, So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And so they probably, I see some people with rice smiles, fishermen, if you're a fisherman, you've probably been there. Now they're, Probably over it, they're coming back in, they're ready to give up, but then we read in verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, I've got to give the disciples some credit here, because if I have been fishing all night, I've caught nothing, I've come back in and some stranger on the shore yells out to me and says, hey, throw it on the other side of the boat. I've got to say that I'm probably going to tell that person where I'll throw them. But for some reason, whatever reason, the disciples decide to do what Jesus says. Verse 6, when they did throw the net on the other side, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, now this is the way that John, the author of the gospel, refers to himself, because when you're the writer, hey, why not? I'm not sure they had editors back in that day, so he got away with it. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. They probably remembered that this has happened before. When Jesus called these disciples, he did the same thing. And something has has twigged in John's memory, and he, he remembers and realizes that this is Jesus. Now, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. Now, this is a little bit strange. If you're going swimming, why do you put clothes on and not take them off? Well, commentators say that Peter was probably in a state of undress for fishing, and he probably didn't want to meet Jesus in that way. It wasn't... Uh, the done thing. It wasn't reverent. And so he puts on his coat and dives in the water and swims to meet Jesus. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Now, don't you just love all of the little details that John includes? Peter putting his coat on, the number of fish, the distance from the shore. All of these things remind us that John is not writing myth or legend. He's simply recording what he saw, what he witnessed, And what he witnessed that morning was Peter getting busy. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but Peter is is getting busy. He's moving. He's diving in the water. He's swimming. He's jumping on the boat. He's grabbing the net. He's busy. He's motivated. Why? Why is he doing this? Well, of course, Peter was a man of action. We know this from the Gospels. You can read all about him. But isn't it also true that when we have failed Jesus like Peter had... Our natural impulse is to try and make it up to him. To get busy for God. To do things for God. To try and prove ourselves to God. We feel like we need to earn our way back into God's good books. But what is Jesus doing as Peter runs around? He's standing there with breakfast already prepared. I mean, did you notice that as they came ashore, Jesus already had fish on the fire He'd already provided for them, and he offered them this wonderful invitation. Come and have breakfast. Jesus is not asking Peter to prove anything. He's inviting him to sit down and to eat with him. And some of us this morning need to hear Jesus' invitation. We need to stop running around trying to prove ourselves, trying to make up for our failure, trying to earn our way back in. We need to stop, we need to sit down, we need to eat with Jesus and rest in him. You know, one of my favourite movies is Saving Private Ryan, set during World War II, and it's the story of Captain Miller who leads a team of men to rescue, to save, a soldier named Private Ryan. Now, during this mission, many of Captain Miller's men die trying to to rescue uh, Private Ryan. And at the end, uh, Captain Miller himself is dying. And with his final words, he says to, to Private Ryan, earn this, earn it. In other words, prove yourself worthy of all the sacrifice that has been made for you. Now, what an incredible burden to bear for Private Ryan. In fact, at the end of the movie, the final scene, he's an old man and he's standing in the cemetery at Normandy, in front of Captain Miller's grave, actually. And he turns to his wife with tears in his eyes and he says, tell me I've lived a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. Aren't you glad that Jesus' final words on the cross were not, earn this? But it is finished. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he did everything necessary for us to come to God. He paid the penalty for our sin and he secured the gift of acceptance with God once and for all. There's nothing you have to do to earn your way in, to work your way in. Jesus has done it all. And some of us need to stop running around and to rest in him. Because when you understand this, it gives you a profound rest of your soul. It leads you to breakfast on the beach with Jesus. And what could be better than that? And so this is the invitation that Jesus gives to Peter. Come and eat with me. But he does not just give him this invitation and leave, and leave it at that. He also has an incredibly important conversation with Peter after breakfast. And this leads us to the the second point, Jesus' question and command for Peter and for us. You see, in verses 15 to 17, Jesus and Peter finally dialogue, and Jesus asks Peter a question. He doesn't ask him why he denied him, what he's done to, to make up for it. He asks a far better question than that. He asks Peter... Do you love me? Do you love me? What a great question. And I wonder how you would answer that question if if Jesus asked it of you. Jesus actually asks, asks Peter this question three times. The same amount of times that Peter denied Jesus. Jesus is confronting Peter with his failure. Not to embarrass him, but to get him back on track. To bring humility to Peter's heart and life. In fact, you see this in the way that Jesus asked the question in verse 15. He says, do you love me more than these? In other words, Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than the other disciples? Because you said that you did, Peter. You were so sure of yourself. You thought that you were the exception, that you were the standout. But you caved in exactly the same way that they did, actually even worse than they did. Jesus is humbling Peter. He's leading Peter into a, a deeper self-awareness that what matters when it comes to following Jesus is not the strength of our hold on Jesus, but the strength of Jesus' hold on us. And we can see that Peter is starting to get it in his response to Jesus' question. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He doesn't say anything about the strength of his love compared to the other disciples. This time, he doesn't compare himself to the others. He simply confesses his love for Jesus. And sometimes, like Peter, we get caught up in comparing ourselves to others. We look at other people's love for Jesus, and it can lead us to feel inferior. Well, I don't do as much as they do. I don't know as much as they know. I'm not as expressive as they are. Or it can lead us to feel superior well I do more than they do I know more than they know I'm way more expressive than they are and Jesus is saying to us this morning stop the comparison I'm not asking do you love me more or less than anyone else I'm asking do you love me are you following me this is the question that Jesus is asking us this morning do you love me And only you can answer that. But Jesus doesn't just leave it at this question. He also gives Peter a command. Three times he says to him, feed my sheep. In other words, this is how you know if your love for Jesus is genuine. By the way that you love and serve others. In fact, look closely at what Jesus says here, because each word is important. Feed my sheep. Firstly, Jesus says, feed. In other words, the Christian life is not mainly about being fed, but about feeding. And you are fed as you feed others. So let me ask you how do you walk into church? Is it to come to to get what, what you can get out of it? Is it mainly about what you like or don't like? Or is it to feed others? Do you come to worship God and to serve His people? to encourage others, to to be a blessing. Feed my sheep. Secondly, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Now, he doesn't say, not the people that you choose. This is not the people you're comfortable with, not even the people who are like you. These are the people that Jesus sends to you, that he puts in your path. These are the people sitting around you, our beautiful, diverse church family my sheep. People that Jesus loves and that we are to love for his sake. Thirdly, he says, feed my sheep. He doesn't say, feed my lions or or, feed my dogs. Sheep. Now, I'm sure you know that sheep are weak and needy and messy and dumb. That's us. So, (laughs) If you're going to serve Jesus by serving his people, expect it to get a bit messy, to get a bit painful. And don't walk out when it does, because Jesus is here. He's with us, and he's calling us to love and to serve him by loving and serving one another. So let me just ask you this question. Who is being fed for Jesus' sake through you? Who is being strengthened for Jesus' sake Because of you. Now don't let yourself off the hook by thinking, well, I'm not doing any harm. Jesus does not say, do not harm my sheep. He says, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. He is calling us to do intentional, practical good for one another. To open up our homes. To visit the lonely. To reach out to the wandering to teach children, to host a growth group, to share our possessions, to listen and to comfort and to pray and to encourage, to love Jesus by loving his sheep. And so Jesus asks Peter and he asks us a question, do you love me? And then he gives them, gives Peter and he gives us a command, then feed my sheep. That's our mission and that was Peter's mission as well. So how did he do? How did it go for Peter? Well, Jesus actually tells Peter what is in store for him in the next couple of verses. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says to Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now Jesus tells Peter that he will serve him into old age and then he will die with his arms stretched out on a cross. And indeed, church tradition tells us that Peter died in Rome on a cross under the emperor Nero. Now you might think that this is bad news for Peter. I mean, if someone tells you that you're going to be crucified in your old age, that kind of sounds like bad news on the surface. But this is actually really good news because it means that even when he is nailed to a cross for Jesus, Peter will not deny him. He will have the courage, the privilege to die for Jesus' sake. Now notice the imagery that Jesus uses. Peter will die with his arms stretched out. This is an image of surrender and dependency. You see Peter thought that what really counted when it came to following Jesus was his strength. His bravado. But what really mattered was his surrender to Jesus. And it leads us to ask the question especially at the end of this series. Have you surrendered to Jesus? Or are you still running away in in rebellion from him? Or are you running around trying to prove yourself to him? The invitation to you this morning is to stop running and to find rest in him. To find rest in his love and his acceptance purchased for you on the cross. It's to have breakfast with Jesus on the beach. And I love that imagery of breakfast on the beach because it's a place of friendship and fellowship and love. Does that characterise your relationship with Jesus? It's freely available to you. In fact, let me close with these words from Ray Ortland. He says, you don't have to be a dramatically amazing Christian. All you have to do is love Jesus Care for his other followers and keep breathing and loving and serving and praying until you can't anymore. Can you think of a better way to live and die? So don't waste any more time in self loathing. You love Jesus. Go spend your life loving others and he will carry you all the way to glory. Let's do that together, friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Because of all that you've done for us in Jesus, we who are failed friends can be made sons and daughters. Lord, we want to turn from our running, whether we've been running away from you, whether we've been running around trying to prove ourselves to you. We want to stop. We want to sit down. We want to rest in Jesus. Thank you that Jesus' declaration from the cross was not, earn this, but rather it is finished. And we pray this in his good name. Amen. We're going to have the privilege to respond by coming to Lord's Supper. You know, just like he prepared breakfast for Peter and his disciples, Jesus has set the table for us today to sit and to eat with him. We read these words in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul writes and says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup, Is the new covenant in my blood? Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This morning, this is an opportunity for us to come to Jesus. Now, maybe you've been running away from him and you know it. Today is the day to confess, to repent, and to return to Jesus. Maybe you've been running around trying to prove yourself. You've been living as if your acceptance with God is based upon you. Your performance. Earn this. The finished words of Jesus on the cross, the final words of Jesus on the cross are, it is finished. Maybe you've been tempted to believe that God is done with you because of your failures. Jesus' invitation to you today is not get away from me. It's come and eat with me. And the food he gives is not just breakfast, but it's his body, his blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. See, Lord's supper is not for perfect people. It's for failed friends who have received the forgiveness of Jesus. And if that's you, And in a moment, you'll be invited to come forward and to take the elements. Let me invite those who will be serving us to come and to get into position. There'll be ushers from the, the front, from the back to the front, and they will invite you to come. And you take those elements in your hand. The elements, the bread, which represents the broken body of Jesus. The cup, which represents his spilled blood. These elements, which represent what it cost him so that we can stand free, forgiven, and accepted before God. And you go back to your seat, and then we'll eat and drink together as the loved and redeemed people of God. Come, church. Jesus has prepared the table for us this morning. Come and eat. Roll. we have not lived went to the cross to die the death that we deserve to die his body broken for our sin for our failure so that we might have forgiveness of sin restored relationship with God eat which represents his blood poured out so that we might be washed clean, accepted before God, drink, remember, and believe. Join your hearts with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We glorify you for all that you've done for us in Jesus, for his finished work on the cross, for pouring out your spirit into our hearts to empower us to know you, to love you, to obey you, to make a difference in this world and where you've placed us. So Lord, we ask that you might fill us and use us and send us out on your mission with the message of Jesus on our lips, with your love in our hearts for the good of others and the glory pray this in jesus name amen church would you stand and hear these words before we prepare to sing may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all amen